Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. We're very glad you're with us. We're going to start a new series today. And uh, uh, this series is called Living Invitations. And so with the new series, there's new wristbands out because I like a wristband to go with the series. I, you can get one. Actually, there's two for this because the other one says, Live Such Good Lives. And uh, really, the way I, I uh, sort of started thinking about this series was we, we spent a long time in uh, First Peter um, in just before Easter, and uh, we finished it about uh, verse 10 of chapter 2. But uh, in, in verse 12, we're actually, P Peter tells us to live such good lives among the pre-Christians that even if they were to say bad things about us, it's still our lives will impact them to the point where when Jesus comes back for us, they'll be ready to join in with us, that they'll that our lives will somehow impact them to come into the kingdom and to know the Lord. And so from that sort of idea, I, I had this idea that, that we're to be like living invitations. That that's really what we're called to be. Uh, uh, that, that we're to live lives that actually, you know, help people find their way into the kingdom. And so I thought in this series we would kind of expand on that idea and talk about that and, and what that looks like to, to have in our minds... That, that we're here uh, um, to be living invitations. That, that because we've come to know Jesus now, we're people of purpose and mission. We talk about that, and this is part of that, that, that we're to live this life in a way that helps other people come to know Jesus. And so um, I want to start this series by taking some time to talk about the church and what the church is all about. And, you know, the church of of Jesus is the most important institution in the world. And I, I know people, see, we have this sort of, we can be, uh, we can sort of think, oh, it's no big deal or whatever. Or, well, yeah, oh, there's churches everywhere and all sorts of other thoughts. But the church, we have, when, this, when this kind of thing's in, is the most important institution on the planet. Um, the gates of Hades, uh, the Bible says, the powers of death will prevail against every institution but one, and that's the church. And, and as a follower of Jesus, the amazing thing is you're, you're, you're part of this thing. You're, you're part of the church. And so what I want to do today is really talk about what the church is, and then we'll spend some time talking about what the church does and how that all fits together. So that's what we're going to do. That's the intro. Always a bad joke before I jump right in or two. I have a couple of bad jokes. Uh, a cosmetic company has finally discovered the leading cause of dry skin. Towels. Come on, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> a giant light bulb walks into a bar. The bartender looks up and says, hey, what's the big idea? No? Oh, come on. So, see, it's just certain people. I wasn't sure that would go. What do you call a wasp that dresses in yellow and black? A wannabe. See, I never know what's going to work and what's not going to work. Scripture reading here on purpose. This always works. Ephesians 3, 1 through 11. The Apostle Paul says, For this reason I, Paul the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. 
that is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purpose, which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Blessed be the word of the Lord. I want to dig in today into verses 10 and 11. Let me read them again to you. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purpose, which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what I want to talk about today, what is the church? What is this manifold wisdom? And who are the rulers and authorities? And how do we make it known to the world around us? So let's hop right in. Point number one, what is the church? What is the church? Uh, now, in the intro, I said it's the most amazing institution on the planet, in, in, in the world. It, there's nothing quite like the church. And the church doesn't refer to a building or a facility or a place. Whenever you talk about the church, it always refers to people. It either refers to the group of all Christians who have ever lived or it refers to a group of specific uh, believers, uh, believers in a specific place. So if you're a follower of Christ, you're a part of the body of Christ, the church. So we have this tendency to think about the church as that place that we go to every now and again. And that just sort of slips into our, the way that we, and we even, I get it, we even talk like that. When I came here tonight, I said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm heading over to church. Um, and so we can think, well, that's, you know, it becomes a place or a facility or an event or a thing. But the reality is the church is not this building. Right now, you are the church. The, the, those of us gathered here, we're, we're this church. We're this part of this body of Christ. There's a bigger church, you know, they're all over the world meeting. There's a historical church of, of believers. But um, right now, you're the church. And you're the church when you're here, and you're the church when you leave. You're still the church. If you're a believer in Christ, that never changes. You're the church. So uh, it's important for us to start thinking in those concepts that the church isn't an event. The church isn't, you know, something that we go to, that, that we, we are the church. And when we get together with other believers, we're the church gathered together. But uh, here or out there, we're still the church. In Ephesians 1, and 23, it says, And God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be head over everything, for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So the church, we're the believers, we're the body of Christ. He's with us. He's for us. And um, 
I, I, I want to, my hope is that that sinks in. What an amazing thing it is to be a part of the church. What an amazing thing it is to be a part of the, this incredible institution, the most amazing thing that's ever happened on the planet uh, and, and continues to happen uh, that, that Jesus started, um, you know, by what he did on the cross and, and defeating death and rising again. And, and that he's still the head of this whole thing. He's the head of the church. Uh, and we're his body, but we're the church. You know, I, I think about the church, and uh, I, I love the idea of, of, of 2,000 years in now, which is about how far we're in for the church, that we're here because the people that came before us were steadfast and did their part. They were the church, and they, they did what they needed to do. They, they preached the gospel, and they, they held on to the faith, and they, they, they did what they needed to do. And, and that happened from the beginning with the apostles, and then it's been running through ever since, and, and it, it continues to this day. And now it's our turn to be the church. And, and uh, we'll always be the church. You know, once we're in, we're going to be forever the church. But um, we have a mission right now. And really, the, the fascinating thing is um, the, the people who have gone on before us, the church that's already gone to be with Jesus, they're doing pretty much everything that we're doing. I think they're worshiping and they're fellowshipping and they're praising and they're, they're doing all the things. They're praying. They're doing all the things that we, we do. The only thing that the church has gone before us can no longer do is tell the world about Jesus. That's on us. So that's our part right now. And they did their part. That's why we're here. So to me, it just, I, I, I stop and I'm amazed every now and again that we're, we're part of this group. What it means to be a part of it's such a wonderful thing to, to think about this history and being connected to it. And you know that when you read the book of Acts, um, and the book of Acts is all about the early church and what they were doing and the things that were happening, how people were getting saved and miracles and, and all sorts of neat things that were taking place. And even though we're not adding to the Bible any longer, it's complete and it's written, but the, the, the sort of the story of Acts continues on in us and it has continued on. And that, that you know, uh, you're part of his story. I tell you that all the time. I love that idea. And I'm hoping that you'll get a hold of that idea so that... that it's, it never becomes sort of mundane or no big deal or whatever um, when, you th when you're talking about the church. It's like, wow, we're a part of the church. And, and, and what, a, what an amazing thing that it is for us to be a part of. So if anybody ever asks you, the, what's the church? That's you. You're the church. And this is a facility, and you're happy to have it. But, but you know, the, the church is you guys here right now. You're the church, and that's what's happening. Secondly... What is the manifold wisdom that's spoken about there? What's Paul talking about? 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 24, the Apostle Paul says this, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
So the, the mystery of God and the wisdom of God is that on the cross, Jesus made a way, not just for eternal life for people who believe in him, he also purchased and formed this whole new people, the church, and the church are the recipients of God's promises and grace. And so this is the, the manifold wisdom that's, that's taking place, that, that God has done this amazing thing in, in what the intelligent of the world think is foolishness, that the, the message of the cross is foolishness, and that this whole thing is foolishness, yet this is the way that God has um, um, moved at this point in time uh, to, to um, advance the kingdom of God. This is what he's chosen to do. He, he, he formed the church. And because of what Jesus did on the cross and paid for our sin, and now we, we are justified just as if we had not sinned. God sees us in the perfection of his son. We have this amazing relationship with God, access to the very throne room. We have all these things as believers. And he's formed this new people, the church. You know, originally, the, this whole deal was to be on Israel, but what we saw Israel do over the course of their history was, was reject um, the Messiah and everything that looks like. And so now uh, he's formed a new people, and that's the church, comprised, it says, of both Jews and Gentiles, everybody who believes in Christ. Everybody is, is welcome into the kingdom, and now this new people are formed, and the mission has been given to us. Israel has her thing to do and all that other stuff, but, but we are now the church. And so this is the manifold wisdom. This is God's plan that the church would be the people who share this message that seems foolish to many people, that this is the way to be reconciled to God. It's to come to know Jesus. It's the good news. It's the gospel. And, and so this is what he's given us to do. And this is the amazing manifold wisdom of God, to, to give a very simple message um, and, and yet a life-changing one of what God has done for us to be reconciled to him. I always think, you know, it's a, one of those amazing things. You, you sometimes wonder if, if there wouldn't be a, a, a better way for people to, to know about God. You know, when you, when you think, maybe you heard me say this just recently, that, that wouldn't, it, wouldn't it have been a good thing to task the angels with? Because you think people would listen to an angel a little better. And, you know, if, uh, if people were hanging out and angels swooped in and started telling them about Jesus, maybe, maybe that would have a little more bearing than us. But then I always think, as you know, I, I said the other day, whenever an angel shows up, everybody hits the ground because they're all afraid. Because the first thing the angel has to say is, do not be afraid. We saw that, you know, and then last week when they came to the tomb, they didn't say that. I thought that was funny with the guards. But um, don't be afraid. So people apparently couldn't relate that way. So that's not how it happens. How does it happen? happens through us, other people that have come to know Jesus, and it happens through our changed lives, and it happens through our story, and it happens through our sharing uh, what's happened to us and what God has done, and this is the way God ordained it and planned it, and this is the way it's been working, and it's been working quite successfully for 2,000 years. The church has continued to grow and continues to grow to this day and needs to continue so that everybody has a shot. So, thirdly, who are the rulers and authorities? And the phrase rulers and authorities shows up in two other places in Ephesians. In Ephesians 6, 11 and 12, it says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler 
of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So the rulers and authorities are the enemy and, and his kingdom of darkness. And their intent on the destruction of mankind and, and their, their main objective is to keep people blinded to the truth of Jesus who would set them free. And that's what they're all about. They, they are trying to keep, keep people blinded to the truth. And so the church, that's us, um, we're to understand that this is a, an ongoing cosmic battle so that we understand how vitally important it is to be a people of mission, to, to make uh, the manifold wisdom of God known so that lost people can find life. That's how this works. So, so what we understand from these verses is, is that, um, that there is a very real enemy who is trying to keep people trapped in the kingdom of darkness because that's his whole deal. And that because we're aware of this battle, we need to be um, engaged in uh, the way that he's called us to. And the way that we primarily fight this battle is by living the lives um, of believers that make a difference. And that's point number four. So how do we make this wisdom known? What's our main sort of thing in the process? And, and it's, and you're gonna, you, I know you've heard me say this before, but it's really about living by doing the next right thing. That's really the, the best weapon we have in this battle is by, by being people who are um, trying to live this life the way we were created, uh, the, the way that God has called us to now in Christ. Not pretend, not with masks, not as hypocrites, not saying one thing and doing another, but just actively living this life, you know, doing the best that we can, falling short sometimes, and then, and then you know, going back to the Father and, and, you know, getting it right with Him and then starting all over again, being led by the Spirit. We're, we're never going to be perfect at this. And I think if we pretend to be perfect... Uh, we come off as unapproachable, and that's, that's not what we want to do either. So what do we do? Matthew 5, 16. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So we're to be uh, people that are fully engaged in this life and looking for ways to bless others and what that looks like. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. I like that whole idea, too, that God has um, prepared us to be a people of mission, and He's given us talents, and He's given us things to do, and um, that we're to do them. We were created in Christ to do these very things. Now, these good works are not things that we do to earn our salvation. That was a gift freely given. But in response to what it means to be a, a child of God and to, to be a, a part of His family and and all the things that we've talked about, um, we want to live this life the way that, that would best honor and please Him. And so um, He created us to, to do good works. Uh, and, and just to be a, a blessing to the world around us, we have to sort of step out of the way the culture operates and understand that we have a higher calling and a higher purpose, and it's not all about us. And when we get that, when we get that we're actually a living invitation, it will change the way that you relate to the people that you meet. It has to when you get it. So, so you, you, you go to places, you know, I always tease about Winn-Dixie and all those other places. But you have to go to Winn-Dixie, you know, with the realization that there's lots of people there who, who need 
to uh, find Jesus. Um, and, and what an opportunity. But if you go in and your sole purpose of going anywhere is just to accomplish what you wanted to accomplish without any other thinking, you sort of miss millions of opportunities over the course of your life. And so we, we have to begin to under, you know, approach this thing with this, this sort of higher mindset going in. Well, God, is there, is there something here that's going on that, I can, that you would have me move into today that perhaps you've even created me for? Maybe, God, you created me for this instance that I'm going to go in and I'm going to have the right thing to say to this person who needs it or I'm going to smile in such a way or, or, or have a chance to pray for them or whatever it might be, do something kind for them, whatever it might be that's just what they need at that moment and you're going to use that in, in some grander way that I'm not even aware of, but I want to be plugged into that. So I can live this thing. Titus 2.14 says, Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. See, so that's all part of this dynamic. He's come in and he's, he's given us his spirit and, and um, he's, he's, you know, the spirit of God is working in us and, and he's making us his own people, the church, eager to do what he calls us to do. And so there's this big sort of switch in our thinking that needs to happen so that um, we live this thing out in such a way that so that people can see that God is real. And so again, it has to be very, very, uh, it has to be very real the way that we live. It has to be very honest, have a lot of integrity, not fake, not pretend, but just people, you know, struggling like we all are with different issues and yet really trying to live this thing for the Lord. And so I like this thought. It's been helping me a lot. Living invitations, that, that, that's my life. I'm, I'm, when I get it, my, my, my life is actually inviting people into the kingdom of God so that they can be set free from the darkness and the trap and the things that blind them to the truth and that they can come to know the truth and experience life. So that's uh, our mission. We're going to be talking more about this in the weeks ahead. I have lots of different things that I think will we'll move in and out of that topic. So... Um, so that's where we're at today. If you're watching my video, thanks for doing it. Appreciate you doing that. Um, if you get a chance, come and visit us. We'd love to see you. If you need prayer, go to the website, keysvineyard.com. There's a prayer page. Put your prayer requests in there, and we will pray for you, and uh, we'd love to see you when.